This episode of the Mike on Much podcast is in partnership with Jameson. Good things come in threes. Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman. I'm here with my friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. We are also here with intern Eric on the dials and calling in from Hamilton is our pop culture aficionado, Shane Christian Cunningham. Shane, how's it going? This is a Friday. We're doing this on a Friday evening. Uh, you you weren't in today. Were you hanging with the fam? No. Um, I had to take my daughter to a doctor's appointment, so I worked from home today. Just a checkup, I hope. Yeah, everything okay? They just gave her a needle in the arm. Mm. But mm. Did she complain about it? Eh, she cried a little bit. Fair enough. So it's Friday evening. Uh, Max, well, actually, Erica, you just, uh, you just, you're coming from work, right? I sure am. Your other job? Yes. Aside from interning for Mike on Much Podcast? What yes. job do you like more? I like them equally. Good answer. Mm-hmm. That's a great answer. <laughs> You're going to go far, kid. <laughs> <laughs> because it's a Friday night, you were like, um, hey, maybe I'll bring by some Jamesons. Sure did. Erica, you are a delight. I just want to say that. Oh, you are thanks. very good at uh, taking direction. Uh, <laughs> if there's ever been any criticism, you're good at taking that and then fixing it. You're like... Those are qualities that are going to get you very far in this I, life. I, speaking of Friday night, I think Max might have been having some Jameson before we started recording. No, no. I just woke up and I had a nap. So oh. truthfully, I got here about uh, 10 minutes before everybody and uh, Manager Ash was in her office and I kind of waved mm-hmm. and she texted me. She said, oh, you're an early boy today. She goes, Max is just napping. And I exploded laughing because I was like, <laughs> we literally just talked about this on the podcast. Yeah, I just had a nap in the break room. I, th- I think the quote is that you can nap anywhere and you have the means to do it. Yeah, I have the money to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's it. That's it. Um, Shane, working from home, how much yeah. did, I mean, are you like uh, constantly checking emails? Are you writing scripts? Or are you sort of like kind of got some TV on in the background? Because everybody works from home in a different way. My wife Danica actually worked from home today too. And sometimes I'd like to see exactly how much working goes on at home when you've got mm. the TV there and you can stay in your jogging pants. Yeah, what yeah, did you I did do? More, I did more work today from home than I did yesterday from work. So <laughs> there yeah. you go. Yeah, it works then, I guess, in the system. Well, it's easier to focus at home, too, because there's more. I feel like our workspace is just horrible. Like, I feel like we're telemarketers. We're all crammed in so close to each other. And for me, that's very distracting and not relaxing or conducive to really focusing. Well, this is actually perfect. A great um, segue to this is an official topic, but I kind of want to talk about it off the top. I was. the Babs getting fired with the Leafs and just right. talking about management decisions. Cause what you're talking about right now, Shane is who in charge of what the workspace looks like, what the rules ought to be. And it did make me think about our dear friend, uh, in front of the pod, Kyle Dubas. Yeah. Having to put on his big boy pants and make some really tough calls. And I was just thinking, I was like, that is not an easy job. It's not a job that a lot of people would want to have. You but, mean GM of the Maple Leafs? No, no, but no. Sorry, the, this the job, this particular task of firing someone. Sure, I, I think everybody wants the job with the Toronto Maple Leafs yeah. GM. That sounds like a great fucking time. But having to fire people, that's a tough, tough position. It must be the most terrible thing that you can do. Uh, not that you can do in general or in life, but I think as like a work task. I, I've never had to to fire somebody. Um, but you know, you, I've certainly had to tell people that they didn't get a a role or a job that they wanted. Like I've had to let people down, but I've never directly had to sort of fire anyone that I can remember. I don't think I've ever been in that kind of situation, but it, I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I'm built for it. Yeah, it's a good, Shane, have you ever had to fire anybody? No, but if I ever did have to fire someone, I would hope it would be an NBA or NHL 
professional. That would be <laughs> Yeah. Oh, sorry. You're going to be a millionaire somewhere else in probably three months. Like, that's very <laughs> stress-free. That, that That's true. But, I mean, I, anecdotally here, I spent some time at a Raptors playoff game with Babs, and I chatted with him, and Dubas was chatting with Babs' wife, and they have a great relationship. So they've clearly been... I think on a personal level, very friendly, like each other's families, and they've worked side by side for four or five years now. So it's that's just a tough thing. That's the thing. I do but think it's, it's, it's such a brass tacks thing, though. Too, it's like okay, you did, you got <clears throat> exited of the first round of the playoffs, and we were expecting more, so we're gonna say bye. And like, it's there's no gray area there. You know what I mean? Where somebody else, it could be more personality related. Here, it's just you got to produce results, and I think. Everyone understands that. Yeah, I th- you're right, though, Shane, that in, in the grand scheme of things, this kind of firing isn't so bad. I f- you feel bad for the person who's, you know, maybe in their early 50s, who's getting let go because, uh, you know, he has a big salary and the company's trying to save costs. And then this person's like, well, what the fuck am I going to do now? Like, you know what I mean? Like that kind yeah. of person. And, and I there's many, I know many people who've been let go. Um, <laughs> oh, God. It's actually, I think I can tell the story because... Uh, it, enough time has passed, and there's, I think it's kind of funny. But um, I remember I would, one of the most distinct memories from my high school days was it was the March break. I was 15, 16 years old probably. I was maybe grade 11. And I went over to my friend Eli's house who lives across the street. Eli would have been in grade 9. And we were just going to like hang out during the day because it was the March break. And anyway, so Eli's dad, Bruce, who I've known since I was born, and we have a very sort of chummy relationship with um, – yeah, and he worked, I think, at IBM for many, many years. And it's like Wednesday, and at around you know ten fifteen in the morning, Bruce comes back in through the door, and I go, "Ah, Bruce, what are you doing home? Playing a little bit of hooky, I see." And I start just like razzling him, razzing him, and then he goes, uh, "Max, I've just been laid off." Oh, oh. and. I was like, oh, and and uh, obviously it was that kind of situation where they were just like getting rid of that. I was like, fuck. In fact, Max, it'd probably be best for you to go home. We can't afford you to feed those cookies. Please leave those and the pop you just opened. <laughs> and by the way, like their, their family has turned out just fine and they're great, great people. And Bruce is awesome. But it's just like, yeah, fuck. I, I was just feeling that. That was like one of the few times in my life where I really feel like I put my my foot in my mouth. Yeah, man. Yeah, fucking nightmare. There's a uh, famous, well, not famous, but somewhat famous, you like the Simpsons scene where uh, Milhouse's dad gets let go from the Cracker Factory, and everyone knows that scene, but I guess there was a, an extra part of the scene that was written, so you can read the script, but they didn't shoot it. But anyways, famously, Milhouse's dad gets let go from the Cracker Factory, and he's like, right. uh, I'm sorry, because he's been divorced from his wife, or he's split up, and the guy at the Cracker Factory is like, I'm sorry, Crackers, uh, we see them more as a, a family food, so it's not going to work out. And he's like, that's it, after all these years, so long, good luck. And the guy's like, I don't recall saying good luck. <laughs> so that's the funny thing. But then this the scene that's in the script that they didn't shoot is then it cuts to Milhouse's dad leaving the cracker factory with like uh, boxes and boxes of crackers or whatever. And he goes to put them in his trunk, but he, he kind of like fumbles them. And then a bunch of seagulls come in and eat them. And he goes, <laughs> oh, no, my severance. <laughs> <laughs> The, that's, the that's preamble good. to that scene is so good, too, because he's like, uh, do uh, do people without families eat crackers? I don't know. And quite frankly, I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> that show is the best. That was in its heyday. That yeah. was like right in the pocket, too. I, um, I like to think that I would be a good boss um, and that I you know, have the leadership qualities to, like, to run a big team. In my mind, I tell myself I could do it. But the firing thing, it would be very hard. I don't like that. Like having to be the person to like tell that 50 year old that he's not working here anymore that that, i don't know if i have it in me have you been fired 
Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got fired from the Eastside Mars in Dundas, Ontario. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For what? Did they, did they have your picture up now that you're a big star? Yeah, I sure showed them. No, I don't think so. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it wasn't any one particular incident. It was a number of incidences. I think <laughs> I've told this story on the pod. Have we might getting have. fired? Have we talked about getting fired before? I've, I've certainly been fired. Uh, maybe we'll go around the table. Uh, so <laughs> so think about if you've been fired. Uh, all right. Max, tell us. So basically, I mean, it was. I think it was a um, pattern of behavior, I think is that what the expression is called. <laughs> well, I, I was generally well-liked, I think, by my colleagues and by the uh, customers, but I'd come like 10 to 15 minutes late every shift. Um, There's an incident where uh, I was caught <laughs> hiding. I was hungry, and so I took one of the the bread, like the breadsticks that are given out basically for free at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. I hid it in the hutch at the front where the uh, the people who sit, like, what are those people that hostess. see? The hostess, the hostess mm-hmm. hutch. And I hid it in there, and then the manager called me over. was like, Max, and then opened the thing. It's like, is this yours? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like you. I was like, the host is ratting me out. Um, and then this one Well, it's time, their hutch. What? It's <laughs> <laughs> their podium you're hiding your bread in. Yeah. And then another time, um, somebody complained. It was the beginning of the shift. It wasn't too busy in the restaurant. Somebody complained that the butter tasted weird, like a customer. And so one of the servers like took out a piece of bread, dipped the butter in there, and wanted to taste it just to see if it was true and then uh they passed down this piece of bread to everybody and then by the time it got to me i was like the last person i was about to test the butter myself the head kitchen guy goes hey max did you ring in that ring in that bread because i'd been previously got you're supposed to ring in everything i was like uh no i didn't ring it in but there's like this butter situation (laughs) everybody is doing it like no, I didn't ring it in. He's like, well, ring it in. I'm like, okay, no, we'll see. And then 10 minutes later, I don't, haven't rang it in. He's like, ring it in, Max. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like an hour later, he's like, Max, did you ring in the bread? We're talking about a 50 cent charge. And that I shouldn't, in, in my mind, feel like I have to pay for. And then I was like, all right, you want me to ring it in? I'll ring it in. I'll ring in one for you, one for you. Oh and I rang in like 13 of them. And I started handing out the bread to all of the staff. I'm like, bread for everybody. Is this what this is what this has come to? Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. But anyway, that, that kind of came and gone. And then uh, You're like the Aladdin of Eastside Mario. Well, it was, yeah, Robin Hood. No, Well, Aladdin. maybe. Aladdin was stealing the bread. You know? Oh, you I see. I was taking from the rich, stealing from the poor or something. No, stealing from the rich, giving to the poor. Uh, you were just stealing bread for yourself. Or I was just stealing bread. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then oh, another time. Sorry, we're really getting here. They had this test from corporate about the menu and they want to know your knowledge of the menu. It's like, and and the questions were like hypotheticals. It was like, all right, say a table of six couples comes in and what are you going to like suggest to them on the menu? Like, what would you pair this with that or whatever the fuck? But I didn't think anyone actually read these things. So I was like, are you guys a bunch of swingers? Like, that's what I wrote in my my (laughs) response. All joke answers. (laughs) Apparently everybody read the, the answers and they weren't happy about that. And and so then on like the Thursday when this, the the schedule for the next week comes out, I, I noticed my name wasn't on it. I was like, oh, this, there must be a mistake. That's where my mind goes. By the way, I'm like, oh, this is probably just a misunderstanding. They probably just forgot. And then I went in the next day. I was like, hey, um, I noticed I'm not on the schedule for next week. I'm sure it's just a mix up. What's going on, Ryan? And then he was basically like, Max. Your time has come. <laughs> and then and then I was like kind of sad about it. So I, I called Mike D. I was living on Arkell Street. I was like, Mike, meet me at meet me at Ram's Head. We're going for a drink. I've just been fired. <laughs> so I walked down Main Street, Western Hamilton, and Ram's Head was the bar across the street from the on Main Street across from the hospital there. And Mike met me and we, we drank our sores away. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Shaney, have you ever been fired from a job? Yeah, I think we talked about this before, but yeah, like it was the movie theater. The guy was very 
distraught to fire me because I was making the charity that I worked for within the movie theater like thousands of dollars a week. So he was like, oh, Shane, oh, man, this is hard. I hate to do this, but we have to let you go. You you violated this policy. I got too many free tickets for friends, and I pulled like a, a very minor scam. And then uh, he's like, so, yeah, you got to go home. I go, right now? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, I walked here. Now I have to walk all the way home. I'm like, couldn't you I'm like, couldn't you have just called me? He's like, well, that wouldn't have been professional. I'm like, this is a kid. This is a, I'm like, this is a kid's job. I was like, who cares? Just call me. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I go more upset, honestly, that you called me in just to fire me. And I remember being very upset that they would do that. But yeah. <laughs> That's a funny moral stance uh, to take. Mm-hmm. I like that. We would have called you, but that wouldn't be very professional. Yeah. <laughs> now hand over your uh, your player's tag or whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah. Your flair. Yeah. <laughs> hand over your flair. Slam it on the table like a police badge. <laughs> hand We're going to have to revoke yeah. your popcorn award. <laughs> Uh, Erica. No, I've never been fired. Wow. A beacon of professionalism. Never been fired yet. I knock on wood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I, but I just couldn't imagine what I would do if I was fired. I would just probably start crying. Oh God. That w- Did you cry when you got fired? No, no. I, I felt a little shamed. It was one of those things where I was like, oh, if my mom finds out, she's going to be very disappointed mm. in me. It took me a long time to tell my parents. I don't think I've ever directly told them. I think they just heard through me telling that story, like in the press. <laughs> That I got fired from Arkell, uh, from Eastside Mario's, that uh, they found out. That's funny. Yeah. Have you? I did. I did. Well, I, yeah, yeah. I guess it was a firing. But I also worked at a, a movie theater in Ancaster, Silver City. They call it. Um, different time than Shane, though. But uh, it was like it was always going to kind of be like a like a winter sort of placement thing. And I think I was like eighteen or nineteen. Like I was just out of high school, so it was kind of like a perfect timing gig. But we were working at the RBOs, they called them this short for retail business outlets. So they had like a Taco Bell, a New York Fries, a Wetzel's pretzels, and a, a Pizza Hut all in the theater in Ancaster. So me and my my uh, really good friend Bill Valance uh, they put us on the Taco Bell, but I was pretty quick. So like I could like pick up the uh, New York fries or the Wetzel's pretzels. They had me rotating all four. So mm. I was pretty valuable, uh, uh, team member or players. They called it silver city. But what happened is we absolutely from day one did not take the job seriously. Like, I guess we always felt like we were passing through and just wanted to have a good time. So what we would do is, uh, we had this manager named uh, Redman or something, but he, he was actually a good guy. But he just saw that we didn't take the job very seriously. So we would be like, um, like there's like a middle section where like all the people sell popcorns or there's like ticket rippers. But there'd be like, uh, like you know, there's these these twin girls uh, that were that me and my friend Bill like. So we would always be in the middle, like chatting them up, <laughs> like while the movie had started and traffic had slowed down. But you have to stay in your RBO. So Redmond would come out and he'd be like, Mike, Bill, go back to the Taco Bell. But instead of us being like, yes, sir, we would pretend like that we were like trying to shuffle over shackled in chains, like as if we were like movie theater slaves. Like, you yeah. know, we just took the piss out of everything. One of the gags we used to run is uh, that, like we had like the, the counter where people would order their Taco Bell. And because we had the exact same uniforms, like we had identical hats. So what I would do is I would lay on the floor behind the counter so you couldn't see me. And Bill would take the order from like, say, some old couple going to see a movie in December during the day. And then Bill would pretend that his uh, computer didn't work. And he'd be like, oh, God darn it. And he'd take his hat off and throw it on the ground. I was down there with my identical hat and I would throw it up so it looked like the hat bounced off the ground. <laughs> and he would catch the hat and be like, oh my goodness. And then like the old couple would be like, did you see that? The, the, the hat bounced. We would do shit like that and I'd be on the floor like laughing That's my ass creative. off. And then Redmond would see me on the floor and he's like, what the hell is wrong with you guys? <laughs> um, I also once was pretending to be Lieutenant Commander Data from Star Trek on the till. 
Uh, but I didn't realize that they like mark every stroke. That, so anyway, I got called into the office and they're like, why did you till out fifteen like hundred dollars? And I and I had to say like an idiot. Oh, I was pretending to be data. Uh, on the th- I was just kind of doing an Android impression and I was going really quick on the keyboard. And uh, so anyway, when they fired us at the end of our three months, they did fire me and Bill together. Mm. And and Roy, the guy that fired us, was very like, you know what, guys, everybody here really likes you, but. You clearly don't care about the job. <laughs> and me and Bill were like, yeah, no, you're right, Roy. Like, uh, we get it. We would fire us, too. And then we, we left, and I just, yeah, we went to the, uh, like, yeah, it must have been 19, because we went to the Kelsey's in the same power center. Yeah. And then we just drank for four hours straight. We just kept having pictures, and we told the people <laughs> at Kelsey's we'd just been let go. And at the start, they gave us, like, like resumes, like, we're hiring in the kitchen. I'm like, Bill, see, everything works out. <laughs> but we got so drunk that we filled out our resumes the way you did your questionnaire. Like they're, like, they're like, what are you most proud of in your life? And I'm like, the world champion, 1993 on a Blue Jays, bah. they never they never called us back. But that was the last time that I was let go uh, wow. from from a job. Yeah, there was actually a tension I think at Eastside Mars between myself, who was clearly just kind of passing through, and some of the staff that had been there for a while. And it was like a career job for them. And in retrospect, I actually kind of feel bad that I didn't show a little bit more respect for the people who had that job. Totally. There's, there's like a, you know, it's like, so if you're a young person out there listening and you have a part-time job, you're not taking that seriously, but there's full-time workers there, give them some respect and take the job a little more seriously if you can do it. That's the thing, because it does span the whole spectrum. Like yeah. in Silver City, you had like career people, the managers who were like older and that that was, the, that's their gig, you know, that's the yeah. job, that's the career. It was kind of rude, you know. It is, yeah. that you're taking the piss out of it, but you're 18, 19, 16, yeah. seven, what, you were in uni, what? Yeah. Like, you just, you know, we're not all as mature as Erica who is like, <laughs> You know, uh, impressed at no, every stop. No, I was just too. I was just too scared. I don't know. My parents always like instilled like work, like take it seriously. Yeah. Like always take it seriously. Respect your bosses. Don't be late. Like jobs are important. Mm-hmm. And so I was a little too scared. But if I worked at a Taco Bell, I'd be five thousand pounds. I, I no, no joke. In that three months, I think I gained twelve pounds. You <laughs> love Taco, Taco Bell. Bell. I do love Taco Bell this day. And uh, what I would do is I would take the. Uh, <laughs> We would take the fries from New York fries and we would make fries supreme with the Taco mm. Bell ingredients with the New York fries. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. That's smart. We also used to take the Wetzel's pretzels dough and we would do it in the deep fryer at the New York fries to mm. make donuts. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. Nice. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> so if you've been fired out there, maybe Mike Babcock's listening to this podcast and he needs, he j- just know you're not alone. Yeah. We've all been let go. <laughs> You know, if all been let go. the millions of dollars left on your contract uh, and sort of, you know, a bunch of gold medals and uh, a Stanley Cup can't, uh, you know, console you in this time of sadness. Just know that we've all been there. Mm-hmm. Even Max Kerman has been fired from yep. the job. I've been there. But we hey, Max. Back. Max. Yeah. Shane here. Uh, what would you do if the four Arkells dudes confronted you and they just gave you like a speech and they're like, I'm sorry, you got to go. <laughs> <laughs> He's been stealing too much bread on tour. Yeah, uh, it's a good question. I guess I'd have to go. I don't know. We're all equal members, so if anyone <laughs> want to give me the boot, I just like eh, I guess I'm gonna figure out what I'm gonna do next. But would you be like, good fucking luck? Like, what are you gonna do? Replace me with like an American Idol member or something? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd say like the history of replacing the lead singer is a uh, it's a tough one, you know. But there, but it has been done. Like, right? Like, isn't David Lee Roth like Van Halen? Like, what, what's Van that Halen one again? successfully had like a rebirth after David Lee Roth? Yeah, Queen can still tour, you know, yeah. with Adam Lambert. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Would you do a solo gig? Would you just become Max Kerman? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess I'd have to hit the road doing solo shows. What, what, do you, do- what do you think would be more popular, like the new branded Arkells or like Max Kerman and the replacements? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good name uh i don't know yeah it's, yeah it's tough to tell what do you think shane 
I think everyone would just follow the lead singer because you're the voice of it, right? And you have a huge part in a lot of the songs, right? I hope the band is listening. This is good. Uh, <laughs> no, um, Shane, uh, another question. What sh- if I, uh, you know, if I got kicked out and need to go solo, Max Kerman, or do I choose an- another moniker altogether, like Maxi Boy, or no, go Max Kerman. Okay, cool. Or project name. Well, like like Dallas Green is like city and color because that that's cool because it's like city Dallas color green, right? Yeah, yeah. Max. So that is his name. Yeah, I guess it's his name, but it's like kind of a cool little take on. It. I think Kerman means like chimney sweeper or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. like like that was when I said project name. That's what I mean. So it's like they know it's Dallas Green, but the project oh, called city right. and color. Okay. So then, so Max- like ultimate ultimate chimney sweeper because Max is like to the max ultimate chimney <laughs> or, sweeper. It rolls off or the extreme, really good. extreme. <laughs> The ultimate chimney sweeper. There you go. The sweep. What? Yeah, I always thought Kerman that like the origins of that name was kind of funny because when you hear it, it's like other people talk about the last name. It's like, do you know that in the native language it means royalty or it means the sun or it means the fastest or it means the greatest? <laughs> and then like Kerman is like means chimney sweeper. <laughs> it's like such a low class job. Humble. It's humble. It's a hum- it's a humble job. No offense to any chimney sweepers out there. <laughs> like, I don't even know if that's a job in 2019. <laughs> There's someone right now sweeping a chimney with their earbuds in listening <laughs> to our podcast. Yeah, denigrating the good name. I'm like, I'm one of you, though. Don't worry yeah, about it. Drop the fucking uh, broom immediately and go, that mother. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. You guys want to move on to topics? Yeah. Here on a Friday evening. Uh, before we get to those topics, I want to remind everybody that we have a podcast called The Pedestal. And you know what, Max? There's a new episode coming out on Monday. Mm. That's right. Me. My boy Shane, who's calling him from Hamilton, and our good friend Jonathan Popolis, who's our co-host on The Pedestal, we invited Max Kerman onto our show to review and and take a a look back at The Big Lebowski by the Coen Brothers to see if it stands the test of time, if it deserves to stay on The Pedestal. This is a beloved cult film. There are festivals based around uh, the Lebowski uh, and and those iconic characters. So it was very interesting to revisit this film decades later. That movie meant a lot to me when I was younger, as you'll hear when you listen to the pod that comes out on Monday. But what what was your experience like coming on The Pedestal, Max? Uh, You know, you guys are such movie buffs, so I was actually kind of intimidated. Uh, Only because... You guys have a way of watching film that I feel like a real amateur uh, compared to you guys. And uh, so I actually prepared for that one more than I prepared for most things because I was wow. like, I just can't seem like a fool around you guys. But it was fun. You guys were a great hang, as I predicted. Interesting That's- fact about that pod. That was one we tried to do a double header pod. So we went the pedestal and then right afterwards we did a mic on much. And our brains were so warped that we had to delete that episode of Mike on Much. Oh, that's you are hundred percent right. right. Mm-hmm. There is an episode of Mike on Much, which will never see the light of day because we were all just so yeah. It was. It was like we did an hour and a half on the pedestal, and then Johnny left, and then we hung around. We started talking about weird shit that yeah, it just we went, shouldn't talk about. It went all all over the place, and yeah. And then mm-hmm. we were just like, you know what? We were not in our right minds. Let's yeah, man, just- manager Ash was like, look, you can try to like edit and cut this thing together so you can save this, but also. No one actually gives a fuck about you talking about these things and just move <laughs> and, and on. And I'm like, you know, she's like, y'all sound sad and tired. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, uh-huh. it yeah. was low energy. It wasn't fun. It was just kind of like depressing topics, depressing delivery. Yeah, because we were the topic was baby suicides that day. <laughs> <laughs> baby suicides. Preventable. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, so please check that out. Uh, that new episode will be out on Monday. The Big Lebowski Shaney, what did you think of Max's performance? I didn't know he, he prepared so much. I'm, I'm flattered. Yeah, I, I thought was he was good. okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it was any good, but I just <laughs> tried. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move on to our topics of the day. 
Uh, first of all, has anyone seen this clip of Elon Musk with the Cybertruck? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's incredible. I assume you all have because Manager Ash put it in the pod group. And Erica, actually, did you watch it? Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I looked at it kind of just before I came in. And so I guess he's displaying this new um, Cybertruck that is like it's an armored car of some sorts. It's, oh, actually, the, it's crazy. Like <laughs> the stage, like the weird graphic of Cybertruck written behind it. Like it all seems out of like a weird like – like Will Ferrell movie or something like that. Well, like it's so funny. Somebody before on, the thing happens, it's funny. Before the thing happens, it's just a hilarious setup. He's he's presenting this new vehicle that's like this armored car, but it looks futuristic, like a truck DeLorean sort of thing. But anyway, the reason this clip is hilarious, if you haven't seen it, go look at it. Uh, I guess the windows are supposed to be like armored windows, so he gives like a guy on stage some sort of like rock or the brick to throw at the window. And I guess... Elon Musk, by the way he reacted, is expecting the brick to bounce off the window like some futuristic vehicle. But of course, first Chuck, <laughs> fucking window breaks. <laughs> it's like in like many pieces. It's not like a little break. It's no. a big break. The whole the whole crowd's got kind of weird vibe, and then Elon's like, well, it didn't go through the window. And well, they, he, he was like, he muttered, like, holy fucking shit. Yeah. He, like, he swears. And I think they edited that out in, the, in one of the videos that's online. But you can find the one who was like, what the fuck? Like, it's crazy. And, he, and Elon goes, well, it didn't go through the window. And then the guy that threw the thing goes, that's one positive. And then he's like, should I throw it at the other window? There's a second window, obviously, for the back seat. And Elon's like, yeah, go ahead. And then he throws it. Breaks again. Also, it's the like the like laziest lob too. Yeah. The second yeah, one wasn't hard. even a chuck. It was just like a little like he's like lofted it, and uh, yeah, I fucked it up. It was uh, so funny. <laughs> it's kind of the perfect viral video. Oh, it's perfect. And and the fact that Elon Musk is involved in it makes it that much more funny. Like if it was any other head honcho of a car tech company, you'd be like, okay, that's embarrassing, whatever. But the fact it's Elon Musk on it, it doesn't really get any better. Like. Who would you replace Elon Musk with in that situation? I don't think you could replace anybody. It not- would be way funnier, I think, if it was Bill Gates, just because he's not <laughs> equipped. He's not equipped to be funny. He would actually panic. Elon Musk is kind of a weird, robotic, funny dude anyway. So I didn't feel that embarrassed for Elon on stage. I don't know about you guys. Really? Oh, my God. No, not at all. He's just like the weirdest guy who's like comfortable in his own weirdness well i was thinking like, i was like what is the rest of elon musk's day like today that's what <laughs> I, the only thing i could think of was like is he like because who knows what it's like to be in his shoes ever so it's like is he at home going what the fuck is he screaming at people is he laughing about it like does he does is it has this ruined him or is this just like an amazing story to tell the next 500 dinner parties you know what i mean like yeah like what, what so shane you think he's laughing about it I think he'll just be like, well, let's not do that again. (laughs) I honestly think he'll joke about it with his team and just fix it. But that's a huge fuck up. But do you think for him there's value in being in like the news cycle? Like, you know what I mean? Like relevancy, like no, like any news is good news in a weird way. I mean, it doesn't help the product, obviously. But was anyone really like, were they going to mass market the Cybertruck anytime soon? Like it almost has more value as like sort of a PR cycle or like, like a news cycle. Although I guess the product... It looks faulty. Yeah, I guess like I, I think I think it's like a black mark on any uh, Elon Musk thing. The brand, the brand. It's like, do we trust the Tesla now? Do we mm-hmm. trust the? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think that that's problematic. It was entertaining though. It was, yeah, fucking incredible. Shane, did you have any more thoughts on on Elon Musk and this truck? Well, I was just thinking he didn't necessarily promise it to like that it would be shatterproof. Did he? Was like a bullet? If a bullet hit that. And it didn't go through. Wouldn't that still be a success if the window kind of broke up a little bit? Yeah, but I think that already exists, like on all sorts of armored cars. Oh, so the idea is if you shoot a gun at it, the bullet's just supposed to slide off it in like a ricochet? I don't know. I, I don't know what he was selling because I only saw to the To me, small that clip. seems more dangerous. 
It did make me think about, though, like, what are situations in your life where you're like, this is a fucking disaster. Mm-hmm. Like, like I am going to weep in my bed because I had this public thing that I was preparing to do, and it went catastrophically wrong. And for, in- and for instance, like, with our Kells, we never say – we get asked to do the national anthem at, play- at sports games uh, all the time, and we always go, nope. Nope, 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 nope. Never going to do the National Anthem because it's only a lose-lose. Because unless you sing the National Anthem better than Whitney Houston, nobody gives a fuck. Like, like really good National Anthem singers don't get the credit they deserve because people just go, huh, good job. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty good. That That's like the best response you can get from a crowd is going, it's only Man. notable if it goes bad, right? Yeah, it's only notable is if you forget a lyric, if you, and like, and then you become viral on TSN, like most awkward moments of the year kind of shit. And, and also, I was saying this about Barb's uh, um, celebration of life. I was like, I didn't want to fuck up the lyrics because it's like one in situations. Same thing with national anthem. You cannot fuck up the lyric to your country's anthem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can fuck up lyrics to just about anything else, but not that either. So, uh, is there anything, any situation that you guys would be like, I, I, I'm furious that something fucked up, like in your in your personal work. Do you question. think what happened on maybe like they were throwing too many rocks at the window the night before <laughs> like, this is a- to test it? Now this is the one that broke it. Yeah. yeah, this is just the straw that broke the camel's back. Kind that of. is really. You funny know what thought. I? I honestly thought while watching it, uh, my my thought was that that is exactly how the window is supposed to react. But Elon Musk didn't go to the briefing before he walked on stage. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. Like, because I was like, I was like, like, did they really expect the rock to bounce off and just leave a scuff? I'm like, I think it worked the way it should work, which is how most bulletproof or like armored glass works yeah but i think yeah. maybe elon expected it to actually work in a very futuristic sort of uh, way like the well way if the you bat- if you watch the video he was kind of bullied into getting the second rock to be thrown at the second window because the guy's like oh whoops i threw that too hard i'll throw it softer you want to do the you want to do the next window he's like oh i, I don't know he's like, let's do it he's like yeah let's do it let's do it he's like um and then it's already in the air smashing the window <laughs> Like, I bet you as cool as I think Elon is, that guy, he's probably a little steamed at. <laughs> That's the guy he's mad at. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you think that uh, someone would listen to this <laughs> and be like, uh, there's a real problem in this country with bands who've been asked to sing a song that is the national anthem for the country they live in, and they turn it down. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, that hot take. A I You bet. People yeah. rant about yeah, bands you Somebody's got a podcast that they might talk about that on. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'd say that uh, I just wouldn't, I'd say there's other more qualified singers out there to do the, to do it. And mm. I'm happy that they exist, mm. but but somebody else can do it better than the old Arkells. Well, obviously, I was referring to Don Cherry, who does now have a podcast out. He does the really? Grapevine. It's called. Is it called the Grapevine? It is. Yeah, mm. I guess I, Shane's listened to episode one where he addressed the. Was it any good, Shane? Uh, no, I didn't like it. the The problem is the co-host was. Unlike Ron McLean, who's kind of like the exact opposite of Don Cherry, which is kind of a funny juxtaposition, he had this guy on that sounded a lot like him and just reinforcing his ideas, and they were rambling a little bit. And then I realized it's like his 75-year-old son. So <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> like, I thought it was going to be someone a little bit more like with it so they could have that funny energy that Ron and uh, Don had. Shane, is there what would be the most embarrassing situation for you? Do you think right now, like a live pod goes off the rails? What do you think? Well, yeah, a live pod would be horrible if that went wrong. But the thing that Mike and I hosted—that is so up there in my list of embarrassing things. Oh, the 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 horseshoe gig. 
Yeah, well, we're in tuxedos and no one's listening to me. And literally the mic does that uh, feedback thing. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, was a bad night. That, that, that was a learning experience, you know? You, well, you the sound guy was talking to me. <laughs> like, he had, the like, a perfect way to communicate through, like, an intercom system. And he was he's talking to like, Shane through the uh, monitor with the crowd getting yeah, here. He's like, back up. You're talking too close to the microphone. Back up. Back up. <laughs> and oddly, everyone's list paying attention to the sound guy uh, reprimanding me. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that, that was one for the book. But then when we were actually talking, everyone was just talking amongst themselves at a party, and we're doing a comedy bit. Mm-hmm. Like that's brutal, and getting no laughs, and no one can hear us. So, yeah, the lesson yeah. learned is don't don't try to like yeah do a very rehearsed comedy bit at one thirty in the morning at a noisy rock and roll club with a bunch of very <laughs> drunk people. It's just, it's just not the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just kind of got to just do the bit, you know, just keep it moving and get yeah. the bands up on the stage. It's true. Yeah, but I just had a question about the Elon thing. Do you think he'll lose more stockholders because of the weed smoking Joe Rogan mm. thing, or this incident? Because I think the weed thing actually will end up losing. We'll have lost him more than this. Oh, interesting. I think I'd actually go the other way. I think he loses more because of this because it seems mm. like it feels like a Theranos situation where it's like you built this thing, mm. but it's not actually, doesn't actually work in the way that you say it's going to work. But he can go back right. to them and say, okay, there, this was the problem and this is my step-by-step how I'm going to fix it. He can't go back to them and be like, oh, I actually don't like weed or I don't smoke but, uh, weed. Do people like, actually that's care like- about weed? <laughs> no, I, 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 to, to, I like, or to, to Max's point, I think, I think we'll accept eccentric and weird idiosyncratic uh, creators and inventors and we mythologize these people if they deliver the goods so it's like okay if the guy that created Tesla is is weird or smokes too much weed or has conspiracy theories or whatever it is about his personality people will be like oh that's just Elon being Elon but the Tesla is amazing consequently if the product doesn't work then people are like that guy's incompetent and probably not, uh, you know, I don't want to invest in that person because I'm not mm-hmm. 100% sure. He's full sure. of shit. Smoking yeah. mirrors, yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. it's just like his uh, rockets are crashing and his cars don't actually work <laughs> and whatever. Right? Yeah. Chicken or the egg, though? Do you think that it's all falling apart because of the weed? <laughs> <laughs> it's a gateway drug. Yeah, it really is. Um, yeah, Eric, have you ever done anything that you, you want, like Elon Musk-esque? Oh, or- so many times. I feel like so much just like embarrassment and shame all the time. Oftentimes, after actually editing this podcast. Really? Oh my God. Oh, I you hate texted me back about the Jay Onright thing. That oh, was. Yeah. We were not going to talk about that. No, that was so funny. Oh, no, I texted you about something I took out. Yeah, of. you took out. But she just had a moment like where you asked a question. We can talk about this. Okay. It's funny. I think, yeah. I think, it's, I think it's cute because it, cause I, <laughs> cause for our listeners, Eric is a big Jay Onright fan. I was very excited to have him in. And. I could tell she was. You are usually so easygoing, and and you were very charming and good around Jay. But I could tell when you were asking a question. You, I only, um, rela- I knew what you were doing because I related to it because I've been you in that situation many different times where you say things and you go, "Why did I say that? I would never say this in any other situation." And I've been there a million times. And when when it came out of your mouth. I thought, I'm like, oh, Erica's going to fucking hate herself for saying that. Even though to the average listener, it would be literally nothing. No, Like, nobody would even blink an eye. But I know you, and I know that would be the kind of thing that you'd go, what the fuck are, did wh- you just say? When I was editing, also, I realized, I asked him one question the whole time, and you had already asked him that. Mm. And I was just like, I was like, when I was listening back, I was like, oh, my God, I'm so dumb. I, like, wasn't even listening. And then, yeah, I said that one thing. And I was yeah. like, what? What did you say? I, didn't, I need to know what came out now. Well, I, well I, she texted me. She's like, can I take that out? I'm like, yeah, take it out. What was, was it? Out. What was it? What was it? Okay, I'm going to beat this. But it was 
Oh. oh <laughs> I was like, yeah. I can't put that out there. No, yeah, yeah. You're like, what? Like, what? No, protect why the did brand. I say that? Also, why did I tell Jay on right that? Like, he's, oh, God. It's all right. More people can relate to that than hitting it smoothly, 100%. Uh, and, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's it's still, it still stings a little, you know? Maybe one day. Yeah. I'll yeah, but, but I think the one thing uh, we always joke about with this pod is that um, actually one of the greatest gifts of this podcast is that whenever anything goes awkward in our lives, the my first instinct now is this will this will be great <laughs> pod fodder. You know what yeah, I mean? Like true. it's like now I have an, of an outlet to to make you know lemonade out of the lemon situation. You know what I mean? Oh, I think it's that... the best. Like now I almost look for things to go off the rails so I can <laughs> talk about it on the podcast. In the beginning, when Shane was all desserts, right, and he yeah. had to come on and do whatever yeah. 12, 15 minutes, it was pr- he would say it's almost better if he has a fucked up week because he has something to. Yeah, he goes on a bunch of weird dates. Oh, it, or whatever. it was it was way better. I, I remember there was one week I had absolutely nothing to talk about, and I was like. Oh, this this sucks. Like, because each week there was so much stress, and then I happened to go to an audition with my wife, where she was supposed to be trying out for a movie that was filming in Toronto. And although she was 28 at the time, she was auditioning for the role of a 16 year old. <laughs> yeah, I remember so, the story. So I had told the casting agent that my wife is amazing at basketball, which I do think she's really good at basketball. And I was like, she she looks so young. Trust me, she can pass for 16. So she shows up and she just looked 30 that day. She, like she looked actually older. I don't know why. And then the I'm, I'm embarrassed because all the 16 year olds look 12 that day. All the, all the people she's like, and I, I was just humiliated. I'm like, this isn't going to go well, no matter how good she is at basketball. But then the casting agent's like, so I have to see this superstar wife of yours. And I'm like, there she is. And all they asked her to do was do a layup. So she goes up. Almost her first dribble almost goes off her foot, but she catches it. But then she travels it, takes like four steps, and whips it off the backboard, and it goes like flying. And I think I like that had to have been my wife's most embarrassing moment. And I was like, "This is good for the pod." (laughs) Hey everyone, this is Shane here. Just a quick editor's note: you're going to notice from here on out that the audio quality is different on my end, and that's because. When I was recording this from home using my trusty H6, I forgot to replace the batteries, meaning it ran out at about 42 minutes in. But Erica said uh, the audio she had recorded was decent enough to finish the episode with the audio that they recorded from their end. So I hope you're not too annoyed. But anyway, that is me explaining it. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Any crippling, humiliating things that's happened? Uh, yeah. Well, you know what's interesting is you like uh, I don't. There's not a lot of things that I look back on and I and I think about it and I go, Ugh. you still get mm-hmm. that feeling. But some people carry those moments with them throughout their life. But years ago, I was doing like um, I I'd, I'd done like uh like an al- an album with this band, with my brother. It was a band called The Racket before we were in the band that ended up touring with Max and all that. But the songs in that record got uh, EMI Music Publishing interested in like having me write songs for them. So I kind of went through this whole thing where. Um, they brought me in and so I sat and so they heard the songs on the record and so I, I was there with my acoustic guitar and I was like playing songs and they were doing that thing where they're like, oh, that's good. Like, well, what else do you got? So I'm like, oh, I'm kind of like working on this song. And so like I play them a bit of a song. It's kind of like a love song. And they're like, oh, cool, 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 cool. What else do you got? Now at that point, what you do is you go, well, you've heard like all the songs on the record and it's like I've played you a couple like verse and chorus things, but I don't like it's okay to just say. That's all I got. That's all I got. Yeah. Instead, I was reaching way back. I'm like, well, 
I wrote this one in high school, but it's it's kind of a joke song, but it's not like uh, it's not like uh, oh, no. it's not like a real song, but it could be kind of funny with the right person. Like I wouldn't sing it. I'm like I'll just play it for you. But, but at this point, they've brought in like a couple of the other like professional uh, songwriters, yeah. like you know, like a couple like like women like who were like older than me and like you know probably like like actually like were writing like thoughtful songs mm. about love. And so I'm like. I'm like, okay, so here it is, like three three chords. And it's like, you know, I wrote this when I was like 15. It's like a joke song, but but let's, let's do it. And it's the dumbest fucking song. I do not, like, I cannot, I cringe to this day. And as I'm singing this song, I'm watching their faces. What was the subject matter of the song? What was it called? <laughs> I can tell Mike is so oh, horrified. No. The look in his eye right now. He's yeah, so ashamed. It's about trying to get lucky, but it's just like okay. it's so <laughs> dumb. It's just literally like, but it's like uh, I'm not but even going to sing it. it as a joke song. It is a joke song. That's the thing. It was it's, it, it was like it was like kind of a blend between like it wasn't supposed to be Adam Sandlery, but it, I also thought maybe like anyway. I'm just singing these stupid lyrics about wanting to basically get busy with a girl, and it's, I'm on this acoustic guitar, but it's just crass and stupid, mm. and 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 how anyway. I'm not. I. I. I'm the, this close to like actually singing it because it's so fucking. Sing it, sing it. Sing it. Sing it. I'm not going just to do chorus. it. I can't do it. I can't have this song flowing. I, like I just said, this is one of the things that to this day, when I think back on this moment, I still get that pang in like my. Yeah. Whatever you call that, solar flex. What's the thing right there above your uh, dominant? Solar flex. Solar flex. There you yeah. go. Whatever. Well, I'm, this, mine's doing a solar flex right now. <laughs> so I. Anyway, I'm singing this song, and by like the the first chorus, the room's just like. I have lost them. And I'm in my pea coat. My hair's all gelled. I'm trying to look like fucking like just post uh, NSYNC Timberlake. Like <laughs> this is a big moment for me. It's like EMI and I'm like 22 or 23 or something. I'm like, this is awesome. You know, and I just mm-hmm. blew it. I could tell it blew uh. it. I lost like the three female songwriters that had come in to listen to my stuff. I lost the head dude. And the, the woman who had like kind of been my patron, I could see she was just like, I've made a terrible mistake. Oh, no. <laughs> And so they thanked me for coming, and I was like, thanks for having me, guys. And walking out, I was like, I fucking blew that. Wow. I was like, just – and so I learned a lesson, though, in basically if you don't – like, don't reach. Like, because I'm so yeah. – I'm so like, oh, they, they asked for something? Okay, here's something more. Here's something more. Yeah. It's like now I know there's power in like, nope, that's all I got. That's all I got. I don't know why I did that. I thought – anyway, uh, they did bring me back, though, to, to uh, like, for a couple more, like, uh, writer's workshops. Mm. Like, the second Canadian Idol, maybe, or the first. What was that's the one that awesome. Brian Mello won? Mm, second one, I think. The second one. So I came back and did a whole like writing tank, and I've got like you know demos out there and stuff. Wow. But that was back when I was thinking about being a songwriter. But yeah, wow. I still to this day like uh, it. It. Uh, <laughs> I, I fucking cringe. I have a, do I know that? Do I know that song, Mike? Oh yeah, probably. Maybe I don't know. Maybe. Is it the one that, is it the one that goes like I'm horny, horny, horny? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> No. Erica actually, thought that was no. the song. <laughs> that actually would have been better than the song that I sang. You can put, you can put a beat to that one. Sure, that was very funny. Oh, yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. What were you going to say? Uh, I was just saying I have a similar thing. Like my old girlfriend, my first girlfriend, actually, she went to McMaster. Her roommate in first year was like a piano teacher in Mississauga in her hometown and like and was teaching kids and, and they had this recital at like the theater in like the Mississauga like convention center or like whatever like the main town square is in Mississauga and she knew I was a big Ben Folds fan and she knew I was an aspiring musician and she said do you want to come do a Ben Folds song I was like yeah no problem and and at this point Charlemagne which is what Arkells used to be called was just getting going so I probably would have been 19 and I said yeah I'll show up and 
we're going to perform uh, this ballad by Ben Folds called The Luckiest. And if you don't know the song, I highly recommend it. It's a very beautiful, romantic kind of love song. Very sweet. Uh, and I just didn't uh, practice the lyrics. And so basically, I'm sitting in front of just a bunch of kids. We didn't, I don't, like, we, there was no sound check. I don't even think we rehearsed it. Anyway, so it's like, I just walk up on stage. And then, and the song, it's just me and a piano. She's playing the piano. I'm singing. And, like, the lyrics is like, I don't get many things right the first time. In fact, I don't know, no, no, no. But I was just, like, started just, like, saying gibberish. Like, you know, like, you know when you just, like, make up <laughs> oh, words yeah. that don't exist? <laughs> and I'm just like, this is a fucking disaster. Anyway, I, I learned my lesson at a very young age that if you're going to go on stage, fucking be prepared. And to this day, and this is a, if you're a young musician out there, nothing drives me crazier than when a band or someone comes on stage to sing a song and is clearly reading uh, lyrics off their hand or is clearly like brought out the paper and is like just looking down at the floor. Mm-hmm. It's like if you can fool everybody and still read, okay, good for you. Awesome. But otherwise, you have one fucking job. It's to remember the fucking lyrics. Remember the fucking lyrics. Do that. because and I, it's, Or lip sync. Or lip sync. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or lip sync. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, but it's a great point. Yeah. It's like, it, what are you doing leading up to this gig? Just run the song 150 times. Yeah. Well, and you'll remember the lyrics. And you'll remember. And you know what's funny is that um, sometimes we've done these like variety nights over the years for like charity shows and stuff like that. And there's a difference. Like, there could be like people going up on stage. Everybody is roughly the same age. Everybody's roughly been doing it. But the. But the acts that have actually gone a little bit further along and have more stuff going on in their career never have to read the paper. And the ones that uh, are reading the paper usually aren't as far along. And I think it's because like they didn't realize. It's like those little decisions, that little bit of preparation really does add up into like, you know, your outcome. Success. Yeah. 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 Uh, let's get to the next subject. Sam Hunt. <laughs> oh, yeah. Country music star. <laughs> article on CNN. He's been busted for... DUI in Nashville. <laughs> Shane's laughing. Um, no, I'm laughing at you laughing at the next subject being about a guy getting a DUI. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, there's some comedy here. I mean, uh, drinking dr- driving is not funny. But no. there is some comedy. To well, I mean, I think Erica was the one that pointed out that CNN, <laughs> savagely, they pick his songs, uh, uh, Drinking Too Much and Body Like a Back Road. Um, and of course, he, uh, he he was busted in Nashville, uh, well over the legal limit. Uh, he had like two open beers in his car, uh, bloodshot eyes. Uh, the, the the one detail that was uh, there were two empty beers in the vehicle next to the driver. The defendant had difficulty retrieving his ID and attempted to give a credit card and passport instead, while his oh. Tennessee driver's license sat on his lap. That's so bad. It's bad. And and, and, and he was driving on a freeway in the wrong lane. The wrong way. So yeah, that's the main thing. He was driving the wrong way. Yeah. Like he clearly like this was a disaster of epic proportions and wildly dangerous and all of the reasons that you know uh, drunk driving this day and age is reprehensible you mm-hmm. know like because it's like this this ends up being kind of a mildly entertaining story where you go oh what a fucking idiot whatever but this could have turned out ten times worse obviously mm-hmm. uh, unimaginable consequences but uh, yeah what, are, do we have any Sam Hunt fans here why did we bring this up Maxi boy. Uh, look, I'm going to think about a couple things. One, uh, Manager Ash um, thought it was egregious that uh, as he was leaving the prison, there was nobody there to pick him up. Yes. So you think if you're like a multi-multi-million dollar act, it's like this is your prize horse. You think somebody would be like, 
24-hour surveillance. We are waiting outside. As soon as you post your bail, you can get into an SUV and we'll speed you away. So there's like newspaper cameras out there. Uh, news cameras out there and and she kind of stumbles out of the prison and just walks down the street around the corner like no one is there and this is like nashville like this is like you know heart and soul of country music like that is where all the industry is for what he does and it's just like he's just like puts his hood on and just like walks down the street it was just it was a very shocking thing to see given that most of the times whenever a celebrity gets out of jail or comes out of a courtroom there's a car waiting there's a car waiting they're flagged by their lawyer their manager their wife whatever but it's just like sam on by himself (laughs) walking down the street and the weird thing was he walked right into a bar which i thought was (laughs) it was early also his bail was only twenty five hundred dollars yeah i saw that too doesn't that seem low as fuck come on they knew who he was mark it up yeah, for real. And just in general, I think if you get a DUI, it should be more than $2,500. Yeah, definitely. Shane, did you have any other uh, thoughts on this one? I had one other question on this matter. Yeah, I w- my whole thought was the reason he didn't call anyone is because he didn't want anyone to find out, like his significant other or girlfriend. Or <laughs> but you think they wouldn't find out eventually? Mm-hmm. Sam no, Hunt's I also if famous. I, if, I, if I went to jail and... Like, honestly, no one, like, the, the fact that Erica would assume someone knows who Sam Hunt is, like, we don't know who he is. No, he plays fucking Budweiser stage. Are you kidding me? He's massive. Yeah. Everyone Especially who in plays Nashville. Budweiser stage is like a household name. Sam Hunt is, is, I'd bet you, a top five country touring act in America. Top, if, if not top five, top ten. And country music is one of the most yeah, popular he things He headlines, today. like, every North American country festival. Yeah, he's, like, 34. He's, he's the new Garth Brooks. Yeah. I don't know anything about country. I knew who Garth Brooks was. I've never heard of this guy no, before. No, just... And Lainey Gossip, who I read this article from the link that you sent, she had no clue who he was. And she's in the industry and, and under gossip. Yeah, no, I get it. If you don't have your ear to the ground with country music, then, sure, you, you, wouldn't, you might not know him. But I can assure you that he's, like, a top, top five to top ten touring act in america i can guarantee you he's trying to hide this from his girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> so i it sounds like he was like very out of his mind very hammered but i always think about um the photo they take at the jail and w- would you, do you think he was like thinking about like how do i make this photo as good looking as possible <laughs> because whenever you see those like heinous, uh, Have, is that made you think about your uh, eventual mugshot? A little bit, actually. Uh, because yeah, because because you want to be like, okay, this photo is going to be fucking everywhere, and you know, like. You, you ask the prison guard, like, can I have, like, five minutes in the bathroom to really just try to, to look okay? Yeah, but then it cuts you trying to escape out the window. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Yeah. Um, I, I, you, you've I've, never thought about that? In my, my mugshot? Yeah, no. Mugshot? I, mean, I, I mean, but here's the thing. Like, that's really only a consideration for, like, people in the public eye. Mm, you know what sure. I mean? Like, your, your mugshot, if you got busted, would absolutely, you know, people would be interested in seeing that. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I guess when you're that drunk... Like, if you're drunk, drinking, and driving, it would be, like, you just don't have the wherewithal, wherewithal to do anything. The other thing, too, is I tend to think when I'm drunk that I look good, but I don't know if it's because I actually look good or if it's because I've got, like, uh, drunk goggles on for myself in no, the mirror. No, that happens Maybe. all the time. You know when you go to the bathroom when you're drunk and, and you're like, you're like, damn, you look good today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do that all the time. Yeah, way better than you did an hour ago. Yeah. Whoa. It's got to be that, right? Yeah. It's like you're more spelled. No, no, like all I, your I've fe- looked at pictures drunk, and you do look better drunk. Me. Like, not just you. Oh. All of us. <laughs> <laughs> all of us. 
Yeah, well, I don't know what that is though. Maybe is, 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 does does this sort of like uh, the the weight of the stress of the day being lifted by a few cold ones like just does something to your your your, your sort of body I, language? I think it dehydrates you and makes your like cheekbones <laughs> pop out or something. Yeah, that's that that's yeah. that's what I. Could and it a, makes your eyes yeah. a little glossy, a little like glimmer in your eyes, maybe. Yeah, you maybe do your not lips look a little better, redder. Maybe. Erica, What's that? I was just saying, Erica does not look better. Drunk. <laughs> 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 All right, our next topic, guys. I feel like uh, we've been talking about uh, these two quite a bit, but we're going to talk about Scooter Braun and Taylor Swift mm. because uh, Scooter uh, recently, I believe within the last t- 24 hours, took to his Instagram to um, plead with Taylor to maybe come to an armistice, uh, as we talked about that word on the last podcast, uh, a ceasefire between the two of them because uh, he's getting death threats. His family's getting death threats. I guess somebody called his house. Um, I thought what he wrote on Instagram was very fascinating because it's like he clearly thought about what he wanted to say and how he wanted to say it, which was like, positioning himself as someone like hey i just want to talk you won't even talk to me he says other people have said you're using this as a narrative i hope that's not the case like he's kind of like slyly gets in what he wants to say and setting his narrative by seemingly acting like a peacekeeper yeah being being above it while taking some shots also the person that did buy the cat it's still he's still trying to do business you know she's not coming to the table i don't doubt that obviously they're concerned about the death threats they're getting and probably the avalanche of sort of like fan vitriol that she has now heaped upon him and his family but i did find the wording in his thing fascinating like i'm like if i'm taylor and i'm reading this i'm like what like this even in of in and of itself feels somewhat manipulative did anyone else read it that way oh my god oh and in the death threat he showed it's like are you getting death threats, or did you just get that one ridiculous death threat? Because he's really posting the dumbest death threat ever. <laughs> yeah, it could have been a more convincing death, death threat. It was like misspelled. It was like two sentences. Like, gonna buy a gun and blah, blah, and come to get you. Honestly, read this, read this death threat with Napoleon Dynamite in your mind. Like, here, here, I, have it up. I have it up right now. Hi, why don't you just die with your children? I will buy a gun tomorrow, then shoot you all in the head. Jeez. Like honestly, that's not. <laughs> There's Napoleon Dynamite right there. Very good. This show is Like, look at the way it's spelled and everything. It it seems like he's not getting a ton of death threats. Otherwise, that wouldn't be the poster for I'm getting a lot of death threats. You would not choose that one if if you were an intelligent person. Yeah. Okay. So, but let let's assume that they do. They have had like an avalanche of sort of like um, very scary sort of threats. You know, we said someone called the house. I can't imagine what that feels like. I'm sure it also doesn't feel good to know that like a fan base of millions despises you now and and you're villainized. You were you were a golden boy in the industry forever. Maybe you had one beef with Taylor Swift, but otherwise people were like, you have the golden touch. You're sort of uh, the manager of the decade. Look at you know what you've done in this industry. Self made man. All this stuff. And now it's like like public facing. Like his his rep is shit. She's actually done like a legit number on him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of fascinating. But that being said, again, what did you think of his statement? I kind of liked it. I can, I can totally agree that if I'm Taylor Swift, I'm like, this guy is having his cake and eat it too. He's like acting like he wants to be the peacekeeper. He's like taking the high road here, but he's still getting in shots. So I totally get it. If I'm Taylor Swift, I'm pissed off about it. But I also like, I liked a couple, of, I liked the message of like, look, there's actually real problems out there. And like, you calling me out publicly has actually been fucking really annoying because I'm now I'm getting death threats. Also, you can perform the song legally. You don't need my permission. You could have performed the song. Like you, her case 
had holes in it. Sure. And so him pointing that out, I thought was totally fair. Counter. Yeah. He his whole premise is, come to the table. Let's yeah. talk about this. Mm-hmm. Here. Let's work it out. She doesn't have to work out anything. She just has to wait till 2020 when she can re-record her masters. Yeah. Of course he wants her to come to the table to work out some deal. You know, it's like. It's no, like but, he, but, but he's he just, bought an asset that's about to be devalued. It's in his best interest to actually have her work with him. Sure. That's a good point, but she is skewing the like the, the accuracy of what Fair. what she's yeah, allowed and not allowed was like, to do. I want to perform these songs and these bad men aren't Making allowed to. It's like, think I she's think you're allowed even, to perform the songs. She's allowed stuff. to do anything she wants at the AMAs. She just the issue is like uh like recordings of the performance making money mm-hmm. or something like that. Also, it was the song placement in the doc that's coming out. They have to license those yeah, songs to out to the doc. And, and also, and, but even the premise to begin with, like, I'm not on either side. I'm just saying that, like, Taylor saying that, like, I, I had absolutely no idea that these men were a thing. It's like, I know this is a conversation we had three months ago, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I totally believe that. It's just like, wait, wait a second, your dad never told you that they were thinking about selling it? And by the way, for all we know, Scott Borchetta is a bully, Scooter Braun's a bully, et cetera, et cetera. But it's just like the I have just as many issues, probably more issues in a, to a degree with the way Taylor has presented this thing and like acted like she's a true victim when she's truly the queen of the world. And I did and I did think it was kind of interesting that Scooter Braun's like, look, like, are we really is this what this has come to? This is what we're like arguing about. Isn't there actually more important shit that we could be talking about? There's like all this like senseless violence and division happening. And this is the way we're choosing to spend our time. It's like, and now I have to talk to you about this. Like, I didn't want to participate in this. He takes he takes the high road, like, quote unquote, high road in a very self-serving kind of way. But I did. So I guess the question I want to throw back at you guys is if you're Scooter Braun in this particular context, what would you say? Well, I guess. It, Do you just remain silent? Do you? Cause, cause it, yes. You, you just don't say anything. I think so. I feel like he wins over fans, though, with that statement. Well, I mean, first of all, we have to. Like, he won me over to a degree. Listen, if she hadn't brought up the thing about the AMAs in the doc, this would already be gone. It's out of the news cycle. She would have... She brought it back up this week. Exactly. So so, so without knowing the true impetus or like whatever the, the conflict was there, if they were trying to block me, like the rights to the music or whatever, like we don't really know. She says this happened. He's saying that I take issue with your characterization of events. But the whole impetus of this whole conflict is the fact that they had personal beef and by him buying her like that label and having access to her catalog, he now becomes a part of her life that she cannot deny. She has to work with him in a business capacity. Mm-hmm. And so it's easy for him to say, hey, it's business. Let's just come to the table and work this out. This All this other stuff is like, it's really stressing me out. She's like, it's stressing you out. This has always been personal for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You made it personal when you bought my catalog and you for, you sort of forced your way in to my life and my music by cash or uh, signing a check or whatever it is. So it's like, in some ways, it's always easy for like you know Scott, sorry Scooter, kind of, and Scott have like this sort of they own the they own the uh, the, the commodity, right? The music, the recordings. So they had they're from a position of power. Mm-hmm. She's from a position of hey, like you know. But again, like I think everyone's playing at a high level of business and all that. And I think you know she ha- she's a more sympathetic um, um, sort of actor in this uh, scenario, this play that is happening in front of her eyes because. She's the one that made the music, and that's the that's what connects with people. That's the unique thing. There's a lot of Scooter Braun's and a lot of Scott Bruchettas in the world. There's not a ton of Taylor Swift's, or at least that have connected on the way she has with people in a very visceral way. Yeah, and I'd also just I'd agree with that, but I'd also say I don't really give a fuck about any of them. Like, sure. You know, hey, but Max, fair. imagine your arch nemesis, uh-huh. whoever that may be, uh-huh. buys your label, and then all of a sudden, like your arch nemesis is making money off of your art, something you created decades ago. Yeah. Every time you want to use one of your songs in a movie, you have to go. And, and they're ask. making bajillions of dollars. Like you'd probably feel a little 
personally yeah it would be annoying but then i don't know not to be saying most about this but like I don't know. There's like just bigger problems out there. It's like I try not to take anything I do. Like all this is a fucking joke to me. The pod's a joke. My, my band's a joke. Like, and I say that with love and the most gratitude in the fucking world that I get to do this because like Lauren is fucking at the hospital right now caring for like a two year old with cancer. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and then and then and so it's like and, and I know that sort of sounds like a cop out answer because I get it that like people and you're really also care about acting it. like you don't get into the no I love you're not emotional about no the no business I love sometimes. it I love all the business nitty gritty politics of all like i fucking love it it's awesome like, yeah and you're competitive and i'm you get competitive into it. isn't I that get what it. she's doing she's totally doing that but i'd say where she lost me is when it becomes a sob story and she's like asking for the help yep. and people are paying for billboards i'm like okay listen i get it i'm a competitive motherfucker taylor swift you're a badass i fucking love your drive the reason like you are you've got to where you are because of like that competitive spirit i fucking love all of it it's like i love the mind games you play with Scott Borchetta. I love the scooter bra. I fucking love all of it. But when it's come to the point where she's just like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. It's like, okay, you stop it. You've lost me there. Like, you, like it, it, you think this call to action is uh, almost like a, a misused uh, 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 call to goodwill. Yeah. It's just like, okay, enough. Like it's basically just like, there's a line that gets crossed when it comes to like the fun and games of business that once it becomes like this sort of distracting petty. and petty, mm-hmm. Uh, and people take it that seriously where I'm like, all right, can we just remind ourselves what the fuck we're actually talking about right now? We're talking about like a piece of music that you wrote on an acoustic guitar. I get it. It means a lot to you, but shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, like, sh- like you can talk about up to a certain point, but when it's, when it's a call to arms, fuck off. I don't want I just don't want to hear about it. You can hold these petty grudges, but don't make it everybody else's business. Well, that's, it's like, if you are that upset, like go to the bargaining table, yeah. sit down with Scooter, like try and resolve it. Like try, or I don't know, just do something other than like. Ask your, like, fans who are, like, 18, like, 17, who don't have any money, and they're spending thousands of dollars on these, like, billboards. I just think in the spectrum of injustices in the world, there is nine – it's in, like, it's 1% of I don't give a fuck. There's 99 things You could do that with everything. You are the guy that comes in here and says you want to sue everybody because the bus is too slow. (laughs) Or the, 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 you know – Diddy bike, yeah. Exactly. The bike isn't working. The seat seat is going down too – so it's like – so it's like we all have our little things. No, we right? all have our things. I love our. You things. just don't like that she's made it this public war. She's weaponized yeah. her audience. It's like enough, enough already. I don't care. Stop it. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Shaney, where you, where you sit with Taylor? Oh, I think of all the. Uh, I'm not saying this is a boring topic, but of all the topics we've ever discussed on the pod, I find this the most boring. Topic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I this do, is good. We, we always go on way too long about it, and it's like. If, you, if you're Taylor, don't you sign up for this business arrangement? Isn't that a deal going in? It's like, oh, this sucks, but them's the break. Isn't that that's it? the best? You're that's be the best counter. Yeah, that's the best counter. That was the deal she signed up for, and she always knew the the label could be sold and her catalog could be sold. And yeah, you can call Scooter evil for like you know buying her catalog, even though he's her nemesis, or you could say, hey, that's what happens in a free open market in a capitalist society. But- and he bought the whole label, so it was hers among others. That's the crown jewel, though. You right? don't buy that label unless they have Taylor Swift in that catalog. True, but like I don't know. For what were you gonna say, Shane? Business, yeah. Well, I, I was going to say, and like, if you're Scooter, are you that dumb that you think some statement that you type on your like iPhone notepad is going to sway mm-hmm. everyone? Honestly, the death threats was actually a smart move because nobody wants to be killed. So what you do is you get your hundred best <laughs> death threats, then you narrow it down to thirty. 
Then you're like, okay, I'm going to use 10 swipeables, the fucking scariest death threats I've received. That is going to be like, holy shit, I'd be terrified to be Scooter, like, right or wrong. Like, Scooter is in a terrible position right now. Instead, he does his stupid, boring thing and then ends it with the funniest death threat of all time. (laughs) Shane, I want you to advise both of them next time. Will do. Okay. okay, we'll move on from this topic before Shane gets riled up and sends us a death, tech, a, a death threat for using this topic. Uh, speaking of Shane, we've come to Shane's yeah. surprise. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to have to attach a disclaimer to this one, okay? So uh, maybe if you are sensitive, don't listen to this part. Like, don't, like, turn it off now, maybe. I don't, and this is, by the way, my wife gave me this topic. So I don't want to, like, gross anybody out if you're, like, queasy or something. Okay, so okay. now is your chance to jump off this podcast now. All right, carry on. All right. So my wife recently started uh, weaning uh, Lou off. Like, Lou is completely weaned off breast milk. Mm. So she started pouring uh, breast milk on my back uh, at nighttime uh, I... because I get, um, I get like, little zits on my back. So she pours breast milk on my back, and it, like, clears the skin, and my wife uses breast milk on her face also to clear her skin. Nature's nectar. Actually... Is that is – that the... where did you learn about this little factoid that, that, that's helpful? Uh, I think it's known in the maternity world. Okay. But yeah, anyway, it, it's I mean, honestly, just... like, the most – it has the most healing, like, powers. Like, if your baby has, like, a little rash, you take the breast milk and you rub it on their face, and it heals immediately. It's honestly, like, it's nature's nectar. It's, it's Crazy. Magical. Shane, I was going to mention, though, before you go on. Uh, there was an episode of the podcast uh, in the last year where I think live on air you drank some breast milk. I did. Yes. Again, I should have given a disclaimer. I'm that. wondering if uh, if who's had a harder time weaning off, you or Lucy? <laughs> <laughs> no, that was honestly the first and last time I drank it. Okay. Okay. But anyway, the reason I do that preamble is because I don't want people would think like, oh, I'm just trying to be grossed out with this topic or like funny for funny sake. But my wife sent me this article and she wanted to see what uh, you thought about it. Okay, so there's a woman in the UK and she started uh, putting sperm in her smoothie. (laughs) Okay. Um, Okay, so she says, I've been feeling run down and had no energy, but now I'm full of beans and my mood has improved. People are so weird about sperm when, in actual fact, a teaspoon is filled with amazing goodness. Since she is single, Miss Kiss has her friend give her his sperm. My other mates think I'm strange, but I don't give a toss. I know he's healthy, doesn't smoke, drink or do drugs, and I made him have an STI check. Every batch tastes different, depending on what he's been eating. If he's been drinking alcohol or eating something particularly pungent, like asparagus, I ask him to give me a heads up so I know not to drink it neat. Things like pineapple and peppermint make it taste better, but I'll happily take it straight off the spoon usually. When I, when, when I first approached him, he was convinced I'd use it to impregnate myself. But once I'd convinced him it was for my beauty regime, he agreed. After all, he has a regular supply at hand. Anyway, I, I, so I was wondering how you guys would feel about, one, you just having breast milk, on your body if you would ever if you would be grossed out by that or consider that adding that to your beauty regime would you ever drink someone else's sperm and would you drink your own sperm and or would you let someone drink your sperm 
It's like a questionnaire at this point. Uh, Erica spit up her drink right now. Seriously. Um, uh, this is a wild topic. Okay, but just before I answer these questions, I need to know, like, what are the properties in sperm that make them good for you? Like, that's, that's the one question mark. I, I get the breast, mark, breast milk thing now. Well, but. this woman claims it, like, cures her uh, rosacea and it helps her out with the flu. And then later on in the Sorry, article, Shane, slow actually- down. I'm just writing these down for uh- – <laughs> For, for the sell job later. I, so, <laughs> so, well, first of all, different strokes for different folks. Uh, Pun intended. Yes, sir. Okay, so what's the, so so what's the question? So we don't know. She's saying this. Is no, she a doctor? like like because if you're like uh, this is uh, nature's nectar, and yes. then I'm like, okay, cool. Like let's go to town. All good for the oh, breast milk. Okay, yeah, for the breast milk. They they do actually talk to a doctor who who kind of like spits out the some facts here. She says. There's no scientific evidence whatsoever that drinking sperm will stop the flu. Plus, depending on where the semen comes from, you could be at risk at catching viruses, including HIV and Ziku. I don't know what Ziku is, but it doesn't sound good next to HIV. Hmm. Uh, But I was just thinking, hypothetically, let's just say this was the male nature nectar. Would you consider drinking sperm if, let's say, you had really bad skin and it would cure your rosacea? Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like if it was like a, a real, like, sort of like medical, like like a medicine of some sort, yeah, I'd for sure. I don't care. Who's would you? Oh, good question. I'm trying to think about my hottest dude friend. Uh, probably Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think if you remove the sexual, the sexualized element yeah. of sperm. I don't think it's weird at all. I mean, it's weird that we drink cow's milk. Like, True. It's, it's, and eat eggs. Yeah. It's all very weird if you break down anything that we do that we just sort of normalize. Yep. So if if sperm had like uh, healing properties or some sort of like, uh, you know, health benefit, then it's like I'm sure they already would be selling it. But I mean, it's you know, that's a hard sell because people tie it immediately to their own hangups about sexuality and all that sort of stuff. But to the first question, like if I had a zit, I would I would put breast milk on it. I don't care. I'm yeah, I'm definitely into it. <laughs> Max is on his phone. I don't know what he's doing, but he's literally no, I'm like googling it. Okay, uh, Erica. What is the question? Breast milk uh, to he- cure ailments, and then if sperm had uh, healing properties, would you uh, consume it? I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yep, to both. Yeah, that's all I have to say. What about you, Shane? <laughs> I'm allergic to nuts. 